August 10th. And as we continue today, looking into the New Testament, we'll be reading from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 20. We'll see that not only were the Corinthian believers compromising with the world, but they were also losing their testimony before the world by taking each other to court before pagan judges. So the Apostle Paul repeatedly asked, Do you not know? They were ignorant of some basic truths of the Christian life. Some of those truths were, We will judge angels. If God entrusts that greater responsibility to His people, can't He help us with our petty decisions today? Can't He help us solve our uh, disagreements today? We have been changed. We are not what we once were. So, why should we live as we once lived? It is a matter not of what is lawful, but of what is helpful. And that's important because we belong to the Lord. He made the human body. He dwells in believers by His Spirit. And He purchased us at the cross. The believer's body belongs to God and must be used to glorify Him. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. August 10th, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 20. When you have something against another Christian, why do you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter, instead of taking it to other Christians to decide who is right? Don't you know that someday we Christians are going to judge the world? And since you are going to judge the world, can't you decide these little things among yourselves? Don't you realize that we Christians will judge angels? So you should surely be able to resolve ordinary disagreements here on earth. If you have legal disputes about such matters, why do you go to outside judges who are not respected by the church? I am saying this to shame you. Isn't there anyone in all the church who is wise enough to decide these arguments? But instead, one Christian sues another, right in front of unbelievers. To have such lawsuits at all is a real defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? But instead, you yourselves are the ones who do wrong and cheat even your own Christian brothers and sisters. Don't you know that those who do wrong will have no share in the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves, those who indulge in sexual sin who are idol worshippers, adulterers, male prostitutes, homosexuals, thieves, greedy people, drunkards, abusers, and swindlers, none of these will have a share in the kingdom of God. There was a time when some of you were just like that, but now your sins have been washed away, and you have been set apart for God. You have been made right with God because of what the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God have done for you. You may say, I am allowed to do anything, but I reply, Not everything is good for you, and even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say, Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food. This is true, though some day God will do away with both of them. But our bodies were not made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies." And God will raise our bodies from the dead by His marvelous power, just as He raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which belongs to Christ, and join it to a prostitute? 
Never. And don't you know that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the Scriptures say, The two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Run away from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Or don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Good morning, everyone. This is Mike Wells, Phase 1 and 2 Director of the Men's Residential Part of the Refuge. Today I want to briefly share what we've been talking about in phase one and two the last few weeks, and that is the fifth principle, gratitude and thankfulness. And some scriptures you can look up on your own time is uh, Colossians 5.12 as well as Hebrews 12.28 and 29, and there is definitely more scriptures you can begin to uh, look up as well to uh, help give us a better understanding, a biblical understanding of gratitude and thankfulness. I also encourage you to look up those words separately and then combine them together and put a sentence together that describes what gratitude and thankfulness is. And so today I want to briefly focus on the three mindsets that defeat, distract, and destroy our ability to have a mindset of gratitude and thankfulness. And the first defeating mindset is the earner mindset. And a statement you can put with that is, I did it. And so quite often we can easily get into the mindset of saying that because I worked this hard or because I did this or because of my abilities, talents, and skills, I did it. And so what it essentially happens is we, we disconnect ourselves um, from recognizing God's blessings and we begin to say that we are the reason for the blessing. And so that's a very dangerous mindset to get in and a very prideful mindset. So we want to avoid that. Second mindset is the rights mindset. So this typically is going to come from how we grew up, our economical status, um, our social, our social uh, development. Um, did we have uh, caregivers, which meaning our parents and, and grandparents, were they involved in our life? Uh, sister, brother, those sort of things really play into this mindset, the rights mindset. And a statement that you can put with that is, I deserve it. And so... That is also a very dangerous mindset because basically it says because of my last name or because my parents are so-and-so in the community, I deserve this sort of respect. And um, we can just continue on discussing that, but um, that is a very dangerous mindset and we really have to be uh, cautious and aware when we start to feel like we deserve something. Third mindset is poverty mindset and that says I don't have enough and I need more. And so that mindset uh, typically is is an addiction and coming from addiction. That is a mindset that is most often probably very present 
uh, in many of us uh, coming in or throughout our life at some point. Um, and especially in Western culture, you know, it's, it's kind of glorified that, you know, if you do not have more, then you do not add up. Or if you don't have more, you've got to keep up with the Joneses. You, if you don't have more, then you're not uh, successful or um, you are, you're, you're not adding up to what everybody else is around you, depending on what community you're in. And so, you know, poverty mindset really is a dangerous mindset as well, because um, we're never grateful for what we have presently, because we're always trying to focus on getting more. And um, so contentment in what God has given us and satisfaction within God is not present with that type of mindset. And then really, how do we combat that? How do we have the right mindset? And I, I really thought through this and reflection mindset is what I would say uh, helps us combat the three defeating mindsets as well as fosters the ability to be able to continue in a grateful and thankful heart. And so that mindset that we want to have is a reflection mindset. And that's, that says, I am appreciative, I appreciate, I am grateful, thankful for what God has done, for what he is doing, for who he is. I'm not focused on the blessings, though I am pre- I'm very grateful for the blessings. I am focused on the blesser, and that's God. So, you know, we're, we're really just identifying that God, because of you, because of what you've done, because of how you've rescued me, because of uh, the mercy, grace, and love, I even have what I have, um, and it's only because of you. And so we really begin to, to push our praise and our thankfulness and our, our gratefulness to the one who enables us to have anything um, and work through anything. So I really want to encourage us to have a reflection mindset. And some action steps we can do is write a uh, gratitude list. What are you thankful for? Not just, uh, you know, things of the past of, you know, uh, your wife, your kids. But what are you thankful for as well right now? Uh, what are some of the small things that sometimes you feel like you take for granted? Write that down on that gratitude list. And I want to encourage you in your morning readings, in your morning um, quiet time in your devotionals to begin to continue reflecting on this list and adding to it. And I think you'll find yourself being more grateful, more thankful, and more present in the moment because you are identifying what God has done and and really uh, giving him praise, glory, and honor uh, for everything uh, he has given and and his providence or his uh, providential care, meaning that his detailed care for your life and his sovereignty, meaning his control and his uh, oversight. So guys, girls, all that's listening, just be encouraged today and challenge uh, yourself to uh, defeat these mindsets that may creep up within ourselves from day to day and, um, and identify when you do have it and combat it with a reflective mindset. Have a great day. Today we're looking into Psalm chapter 31, verses 9 through 18. We'll read about foes. David's enemies persecuted him, lied about him, and spread a net to catch him. Where could he turn for help? Well, only to the Lord. 
If the hand of the enemy is against you, find safety in the hand of the Lord. And we'll read about feelings. David was ill. He wasn't feeling well, possibly as the result of his own disobedience. You know, God can use enemies and sickness to chasten us and bring us to a place of submission. David's enemies laughed at him, and his friends ignored him. All David could do was turn to the Lord for help, and the Lord did not fail him. And of course, the implication is the Lord will not fail you and me either. David expresses his faith. The emphasis is on David's faith in the Lord. Because of his faith, David was not ashamed, but rejoiced in God and enjoyed the smile of God upon his life. He knew that God's goodness would carry him through. You see, my friend, true faith is never alone, for it leads to love and hope, which gives you the courage you need to win the battle, whether the foe is within or without. Psalm 31, verses 9 through 18. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. My sight is blurred because of my tears. My body and soul are withering away. I am dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Misery has drained my strength. I am wasting away from within. I am scorned by all my enemies and despised by my neighbors. Even my friends are afraid to come near me. When they see me on the street, they turn the other way. I have been ignored as if I were dead, as if I were a broken pot. I have heard the many rumors about me, and I am surrounded by terror. My enemies conspire against me, plotting to take my life. But I am trusting you, O Lord, saying, You are my God. My future is in your hands. Rescue me from those who hunt me down relentlessly. Let your favor shine on your servant. In your unfailing love, save me. Don't let me be disgraced, O Lord, for I call out to you for help. Let the wicked be disgraced. Let them lie silent in the grave. May their lying lips be silenced, those proud and arrogant lips that accuse the godly. Proverbs 21, verse 3. The Lord is more pleased when we do what is just and right than when we give Him sacrifices. Him sacrifices.